Welcome back to the Goal Line Stand, all football, all the time. We are a Section 247 show presented, as always, from the Michaels Glass Company studio. Michaels Glass Company, serving the Philadelphia tri-state area since 1978, 215-338-3293. Tell them Mike and Brett sent you. If you are a daily fantasy sports player, we have partnered with Thrive Fantasy and the Thrive Fantasy app. Download the app that's on Google Play or the Apple Store under Thrive Fantasy. It's the newest and coolest way to play daily fantasy sports. Everything from basketball to football, National Football League, that is. Uh, EG Sports, a variety of different things to, to whet your appetite there. We're always running promos. Use code SEC247. They change on the week. It could be a matching of a deposit for new users. It, it could be 50 free bucks. It's a variety of different things. Use the code SEC247 and prop up. I am Michael Lipinski, joined as always by Brett Halpern, and I am still like the Philadelphia Eagles uh, uh, on the unemployment line. Technically, not really, but you know what I mean. That's a real positive way to start the show. Uh, no, no, I'm just keeping. I'm just keeping people updated. Uh, I'm keeping people updated on the situation. Yeah, uh, although I That's guess okay. yeah. It looks like it looks on both fronts that there's uh, potential employment uh, around the corner. So we just—I'm not announcing anything. I got to tweet it. I got to tweet it out. I got to do a video graphic. I got to make a commitment. I got to do all this kind of stuff. You're gonna do a commitment. That's a cool thing. You should. I should do, should do commitment. commitment videos for all kinds of things. Like uh, you know today, what? I'm, I'm gonna go to Shoprite. I'm gonna text my 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 new boss and be like, "Yeah, I'm in, but uh, I want to do a commitment video." <laughs> Maybe they'll appreciate the enthusiasm. Who knows? Uh, as for the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, well, you know, it's strange. I feel like every day it's another person is going to be the imminent hire, but it hasn't been that person. So it's strange in that regard. Well, I think what's interesting is with the Eagles is uh, every name that popped up got hired right away yeah. by somebody else. Yeah, now, I guess the only name that's out there, and I called him Joe Moore last week at one point. That was my fault. Joe Brady from yeah. uh, from, Carol <laughs> from um, Carolina. Yeah. He has not been hired. No. He is still out there of the uh, the other names. But look, it, it, all things are pointing here towards Josh McDaniels being the next coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. That was as a, we're recording this in the morning on Tuesday. So as of us recording this, nothing is official, but there's rumor and innuendo, smoke and fire, all that kind of stuff. Well, to me, whomever it was going to get this coaching position, based upon the reporting of this past weekend, which we could talk about, uh, it seems clear that that coach was going to have to not only accept, but embrace Carson Wentz. And if you're going to embrace Carson Wentz, you know, Josh McDaniel is a good guy to do that. Yeah, I, I think that's the, if they're going that direction, if the Eagles are going that direction, that seems to be the thought process. And and you referenced the, you referenced the weekend. This actually dates back two years. Philly Voices Joe Santa Liquido wrote an article that was pretty damning about Carson Wentz and how he was viewed in the locker room. And, and uh, me being one of them and, and, and my former co-host on SEC 247, on Section 247 show, 
really came hardcore after Joe Santa Liquido when he wrote that article about Wentz. Uh, you know, like enough, stop. Turns out maybe Santa Liquido wasn't being a complete troll, but comes out this weekend, Jeff McLean of the Philadelphia Inquirer with a lot of anonymous sources, pretty much the same sentiment that Carson Wentz was uh, insubordinate. Uh, Carson Wentz was just acting like a little, like a petulant child is the best yeah. way to put it. Yeah. Changing play calls when he didn't need to. There was a, an anonymous offensive lineman that basically said, and I'm trying to, I wonder who it is. I think I have, I have some ideas. But there was an anonymous, Jason Peters. Oh, okay, yeah. And I, I don't know why he'd have to be anonymous about it. I, I mean, like, Say what we want to say about his the tail end of his career here. The guy's a Hall of Famer. Played very, very well for a long time. He can yeah. say whatever he wants. And it's alleged. This is me alleging. I, I, I'm not saying that he's the guy. Yeah. Uh, that, that Carson Wentz cost the team games. He is not he's not culpable for any of his actions. That that he he's just he acts like a child. He acts like a, a spoiled child in the locker room. He has no real no what he's not there's no one that's holding him accountable. Yeah. It paints a very, very bad picture. And it also said that Doug Peterson was the guy, which is interesting, that it was Doug Peterson's decision to go with Jalen Hurts, in a sense, I guess, to save his job and not roll with Carson Wentz. Yeah. And when, when Jeff when Jeff Lurie and Doug Peterson met a, couple, a week ago, a week and a half ago at this point, Doug Peterson was still going to roll with Jalen Hurts. And the ownership, Lori Roseman said, no, nah, then we're, we're at two different points here. We got to go in the other direction. Yeah, it, it was a really good, it, it was an enlightening article. Uh, the other thing that I, I thought was interesting was it did sound like there, even in spite of all of this clear and damning evidence with Carson Wentz, there were players on the team, even though there were guys, perhaps allegedly Jason Peters, and there, was, there definitely was an offensive lineman, who I think went to management saying you have to bench Carson Wentz. I mean, that's remarkable. But there were definitely guys on the team who there were veterans who also protected Carson. I have to believe, I think Jason Kelsey was probably, again, I'm alleging this. I, I don't, you know, I'm just guessing here. I think Jason Kelsey was probably at the top of that list as people being protective of Carson Wentz. I would think so, or it's the other way around. It's either the how you just said it, yeah, or it's the other way around. Kelsey went to management, Peters being the guy that's protected. It, it, it's 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 one of those two. They're the voices. They're the they're the veterans of that line. I mean, I guess uh, you know uh, Brooks could you know he has a voice, but he's hurt. So what what are you what are you going to do there? Yeah, but really really interesting article. Really kind of. Hammers home what was written two years ago, what a lot of people think. After that, it comes out that the Eagles are all in on Wentz. You know, after all that is written, the Eagles are all in on Wentz. They are telling anybody who comes in for an interview that they are all in at Wentz. So figure it out. Bring that back to Josh McDaniels if he's going to be the hire. This it kind of makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so take out the take out the Cle the excuse me not the Cleveland thing the uh, Denver you know when he went to Denver and, and he had that whole that whole situation he's been involved in the Patriot system with 
I don't want to call him a petulant child, but a difficult quarterback because he's good. And, and, and obviously, uh, Tom Brady, and he knows what he wants. Uh, but that's always been a very difficult relationship. If you you hear Bill O'Brien, any of these guys talk, it, it's tough. It's 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 a tough it's a tough relationship. That might benefit a Carson Wentz. They say he's a guy that coaches harder, similar to Frank Reich and John DeFilippo. You know, they were guys, I think it was mentioned in that article that they really, they they pushed Carson Wentz in a different way. They didn't let him slide, kind of like Press Taylor and Doug Peterson did. I don't know, maybe I'm trying to work myself into it that this is going to be the guy. Well, t- see, to me, I... I would be more optimistic, as I mentioned, that a guy like Josh McDaniel might come in and be able to turn around Carson Wentz. But I also think if Carson Wentz continues not to do well, it's going to implode. And it'll only take one year. But fortunately, from a cap perspective, all you need is that one year. Then it's okay. You can get rid of Wentz. Right? And because if you have a guy who's going to coach him up hard, and he shuts down, then I think it's going to be – now I know I'm, I'm just assuming here. I do think at that point it becomes obvious to Howie Roseman, to Jeffrey Lurie, Carson Wentz is not the guy. Because and, Right, and and there is there was a strong push from New England, Josh McDaniels before, to get Jalen Hurts up there. A year yeah. ago, and then the Eagles drafted him. So there is that. There is an element here, like, hey, yeah, maybe I can fix Carson Wentz. But at the same time, if it doesn't work, guess what? I really wanted Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft to draft this guy. Yeah. I know what I can do with this guy too. Yeah, and you know, look, I know you're like, oh, well, you know, you kind of glossed over the Denver thing. This guy won with Tim Tebow. He's, you know, there. Look, there is the fact that the Bill Belichick tree has not been overly successful. But having said that, you know, everybody has to start, you know, they all started zero, you know, zero and zero. Uh, he he does an excellent job. And I think, you know, th- there's been different documentaries on the Patriots success. And it really, he does a really good job of, you know, trying to highlight a team's strengths. And if you think about the last several years of Tom Brady in New England, this was not a team that had a boatload of weapons. And Josh McDaniel was able to have that offense really – he got the most out of that offense with very limited weapons. So, I, you know, I, I you know I get the whole, well, he turned his back in Indianapolis. I don't like that. But, you know, I, I there could be a worse hire out there. Like, you could hire Ben McIntyre. Yeah, yeah Adam, you, could, you can bring in Adam Gase or somebody like that. Exactly, yeah. So I, 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 I'm willing to, as a fan, I'm willing to give it, give it. It's just if this is the guy uh, of the people that are out there now. Brian Dable doesn't want to leave Buffalo. He wants to hold. We're going to get to it in a second in our coaching a- a- area. He doesn't want to leave Buffalo. He wants to wait till next year. So he's the hot name in in the coaching circuit. That's fine. If I'm him, focus on being Kansas City. You know what? Focus on that. Speaking of Kansas City, there's Eric Bieniemy, and we've talked about this. We've surmised that maybe Eric Bieniemy, in a, in the same way, yeah, he's the hot name, and a lot of people are saying, "Why isn't this guy getting hired?" Well, 
maybe there's no reason for him to leave Kansas City just yet. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, the names out there, who, who else is there? There's Joe Brady, these guys. Uh, what are you going to bring in? I know Todd Bowles was interviewed on Monday. He apparently did very well. Okay. It's not I, a bad I, coach. It's not, he's not a bad coach, and it all depends on who he surrounds himself with. But if you want to look and be a little bit innovative, play to the strengths of Carson Wentz, who I think is closer aligned as a player style to a Tom Brady, you know, the play action game, that kind of thing. I guess it, it's Josh McDaniels. He's going to bring his brother along too, I'm sure. Former yeah, offensive coordinator at, at Rutgers. The other part that, you, uh, that we talked about off air is if he does happen to bring Matt Patricia as the defensive coordinator, you know, that, that definitely is interesting. The only thing I will say is right now the Philadelphia Eagles are built for a 4-3 defense, whereas Matt Patricia is – I mean, Matt Patricia is multiple, but he typically runs more of a 3-4. The problem there is you're going to have that tra- – it looks like you would have that transition year of a team trying to adjust its personnel into a 3-4 defense. And that yeah. happens a lot. That's fine. They can get rid of most of the linebackers. It's okay. Well, no, you'd probably have to get rid of a lot of the D-linemen, which is – You would. You would have to go in. Track. Yeah, you would, have, you would have – I mean, looking at this team as it's currently constructed – they're not built. There's not really a, a, a three four. Well, you have you have your nose tackle and Javon Hargrave, but really right. a three four is not what. If I'm looking there now, look, I know I've had my you know discussions about Fletcher Cox. I would not have a defense with Fletcher Cox in it as a three. I would not have him in a three four. He's not a three four guy because he's not a two gapper in, in a defensive end position. He's a disruptor, penetrator, and a three technique in a four-three line. So there's smart and a guy like Matt Patricia, and this is just us talking out loud. It's been a rumor that if McDaniels yeah. gets the job, he would bring Patricia with him. It's not the worst thing in the world. No, I mean, guys are rocket scientist. Yeah, literally, uh, it didn't work for him in Detroit, but that's okay. Uh, look, I don't know. We'll keep an eye on this whole on the Eagles thing. It, it, it is what it is right now. It is a very much a fluid situation. Let's talk the coaching circuit, the coaching hirings. Urban Meyer is official in Jacksonville. And I yeah. got to tell you, I st- it, it, it's still one of these things to me. I don't think it made the splash that it, that everyone thought it was going to at least from watching everything and reading everything. It was like, okay, Urban Meyer's coming in, blah, blah, blah. And then it kind of, to me, it died out. Yeah. Is that is that a, a good way of putting it, or is it just well, me being so tied into to an Eagles coaching search and other things? Honestly, I think it's, you know, I think that's almost a product of the world we live in now. You know, you think about the world we live in now – even in the sporting world, it, it doesn't take a, you know, there, it takes a lot to shock someone, right? Uh, and so that's why I think it just didn't have. Plus, it's Jacksonville. I think that really shows the lack of interest, uh, respect, if you will, uh, of the Jacksonville franchise. I mean, even you know, look, they frankly, I think they should have beat New England uh, that year in the AFC Championship game and ended up having to play the Eagles. But, you know, aside from that, people just – it's Jacksonville. That's just sort of 
they're kind of out there as their own weird entity, you know, flirting with moving to London or becoming a split franchise. And, you know, I think they have to really do a lot of damage control. But look, they, they hired Urban Meyer. They're going to get this generational talent in the draft. So it's, but yeah, I, I still am not sold that this is a great move uh, from an X's and O's standpoint. We'll see the staff he puts together. Very, uh, you know, his defensive backs coach, I think, is going to be, um, you know, is going to have something to be desired. Uh, right. you're, you're, you say you think Chris Ash doesn't have a, the personality to be a coach in the National Football League. He's a very good X's and O's guys, apparently. What do you not like his uh, choice of cargo pants? I mean, I don't love his choice of cargo. I look, I'll, I wear cargo pants. It's just he always wears cargo pants. Um, you know, like, I don't think a defensive backs coach in the NFL needs to necessarily be a dynamic personality, but I, I also just don't really trust his X's and O's. This is the guy who taught Eli Apple to be ready for the NFL. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. All but, right. Yeah. Mic drop. Yeah. <laughs> there, there, yeah. You can't. There's not much you can do there. It's going to be interesting. I heard him. I heard Urban Meyer say, I, I, in, in, in writing, I saw it on, on, on Twitter. He was quoted as saying, he's not married to, to Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I, is, that's got to be coach speak, right? I mean, who in their right mind? I guess he got to say it. Well, because then maybe he's still because if you're if you're locked in, maybe someone makes you an offer for number one. I, I don't know. Maybe you like one of these other guys and you can perhaps, I, look I, you know, I I do think there are I think this is a very good quarterback class. I just don't see Trevor Lawrence just has it. He, he you know, it's. He has those generational skills and all of them. Um, you know, Justin Fields really had a tremendous semifinal game that he just ran up against a buzzsaw. You know, maybe that's what Urban Meyer wants. Because as I mentioned, Urban Meyer really needs an athletic quarterback. That's when he thrives. Uh, and, and while Trevor Lawrence is athletic, Justin Fields, I mean, just Justin Fields is a 4-3-4-4-40 guy. Whereas Trevor Lawrence is a four-six guy, uh, so I, I don't know. I, I I do think I guess you have to keep an open mind. You have to do your due diligence, uh, and you never know. Someone can make you an offer they can't you can't refuse. Uh, probably not Godfather style with a gun, but who knows? It's that would to me that would be the be bigger shock than Urban Meyer being hired. Uh, yeah, I would agree with you. Well, I know that that Robert Sila and the Jets. Are hoping that maybe they do make that decision. Jets get their guy. Are you surprised they went defense or no? Or is this is this kind of is this now the blueprint you see where the the direction that franchise is going to go moving forward? To me, this screamed Joe Douglas, and it screamed program builder. Absolutely, that's what, that's what Robert Sala is. Baltimore, and Baltimore. Yeah, yeah. It, it this is you know this wasn't a okay. Let's bring in someone to just quickly fix what went wrong. This is let's bring in someone, hopefully for the next ten years. Uh, and I, you know, and that I really like Robert Sala because of that. Uh, interestingly, you know, the way Urban Meyer didn't necessarily embrace Trevor Lawrence as the first pick, Robert Sala and uh, they, you know, he's already I think 
named or, or you know, they've identified assistants he's going to bring in. And he's been quoted as saying how he's really excited to work with Sam Darnold and thinks that they that they could, you know, help him and surround him with the right talent to succeed. So, that you know, that's another one. I mean, who knows if, you know, the Jets now are even going to go quarterback number two. And we've talked about it. It's not out of the realm of possibility. He's a he's you know he's a good quarterback, right? He's passable. Yeah. There are flashes where you see him sometimes, and you're like, "Wow!" And then you realize, "Oh, it's the Jets," and you have to change that mindset. So I I ne- I don't necessarily see that. I know I don't. You're you're more tapped into Jets fans than I am. What is their take as a fan base on potentially Darnold coming back and not taking a quarterback? I don't think they're overly sold on Darnold. And I think they're also more attracted to having several more years of a quarterback in a rookie contract. So that's, that's the other thing, you know, it's one thing if, if Darnold was going into his second year, but he'll be going into his fourth year. So at some point then you're either going to have to pay that fifth year uh, salary, or you're going to have to re-sign Darnold. So that's, you don't have a lot of time. And is Darnold worth a hundred million dollars? Now, and again, the other thing is, what has Darnold been surrounded by? He's been surrounded by crap, really, for his career. So it, it, it begs the question: Is you know, was it Darnold? Was it you know the surrounding roster? It's it, it's it's interesting. And also, look, I, I think Robert Sala probably did the shrewd move because you need to be able to for the same reasons that maybe Jacksonville would do it, you have to say that you're open to everything for trade purposes. Yeah, you got to – yeah, it's business. It's a business thing. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks, maybe one that's a little bit more aging, Matt Ryan gets a new coach, Arthur Smith, former offensive coordinator of the Titans. He is now the new, the new man in charge in Atlanta. He was another guy that, that – really impressed the Eagles brass apparently and and go somewhere else uh what do you think here is this just a it's an, it's an interesting one I think because of what they have going on at the quarterback position and and the roster as a whole the roster is older down there in Atlanta the window yeah. I would say is probably closed you yeah. never want to say completely but considering what what's going on in that division, probably closed. Yeah, you know, well, first, it, you know, it's interesting how you mentioned how a guy like Arthur Smith, who interviewed with the Eagles, he impressed. It seems like all of these young, hot commodity coaches, they gave the Eagles the time of day to interview, and they all were like, yeah, I'm not interested. Because I wonder if, A, they're like, look, we don't want Carson Wentz, or we don't want to necessarily be married to it, or they themselves just, you know, um, internally recognize that this is not an attractive position and went elsewhere. Uh, Arthur Smith, I, you know, uh, he is very positive reviews regarding just his coaching style at Tennessee. You know, if you were to look at the Tennessee offense for any clues, I, you know, I, I think it should be interesting. I, you know, he, he does embrace kind of an old school power style of offense. Uh, to me, I think, it's going to sound weird, but to me, I think Atlanta's job or goal is in the next few years, you have to handle the end of the Matt Ryan and Julio Jones era, which means 
you don't want to be the franchise that holds on to guys for too many years. Either get rid of them, save money and start over, or trade them to get assets, or you just let them go at the right time. I think that will determine how Atlanta is as a franchise for the next, you know, six, seven years. Because, look, you know, I, I love the Giants. There's arguments to be said that, you know, you let Eli Manning stay too long. And look what happened now. So, you know, and I think that's one area where the Eagles, for the most part, had always been really good. They got rid of, you'd rather get rid of someone a year too early as opposed to a year too late. So I think that's really the challenge that Atlanta has in the next several years with Julio Jones and with Matt Ryan. But nevertheless, I do think that emphasizing a big time run game will actually extend the life of Matt Ryan. Should that be their goal? The Los Angeles chargers. I, and I laughed when I put this out on, on social media at GL stand show. That's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, the Chargers stayed in-house, technically speaking, yeah. to get their next head coach. As they, I guess they're different training facilities, but the stadium that they do share, Brandon Staley, uh, goes from one sideline to the other. The Rams' former defensive coordinator is now the head man in charge of the Chargers in L.A. Again, here's another guy that was high on the Eagles list. I don't think he actually interviewed. I think he was hired before he actually interviewed. And yep. goes into perhaps the the best situation it, from a coaching standpoint of everything that's going on. Uh, you know, you have your quarterback. Obviously, they have a defense that we talked about when they fired uh, Lynn. That they played really well in in, in years before this year. And there's yeah. pieces there. Well, now you got a defensive mind. You already have an offense that's there. This is really good for him. It is. I'm going to be really curious to see who he hires as his offensive coordinator because, look, obviously the defense, he's there to, to resurrect that defense, you know, which struggled mightily this year. But, you know, you'd argue it struggled because of injury as opposed to lack of talent or lack of coaching direction. Uh, but as we talked about, the best piece of this Chargers franchise is the fact that they hit a home run in their quarterback pick. But now you're, you've gotten rid of the offensive coordinator and the head coach who are offensive minds. Who's going to be the guy to coach this kid up? Because it's not Brandon Staley. Though Brandon Staley, I don't know if you know this, played quarterback in college. He was a quarterback for University of Dayton. Go Flyers. Go Flyers. Uh, no, I did yeah. not know that. But that makes sense, though. From the standpoint of he was an offensive guy. Yeah. He obviously knows defense a little bit better. That happens more often than not. He, he's a bright young guy. Uh, Usually so. not at the, at the NFL level, like when you take an offensive line coach and make yeah. them a defensive coordinator. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I digress. Yeah, you know, so it, it's – I'm really interested to see um, who's going to be coaching the offense. I don't necessarily have a problem. With, I just thought they were going to bring in another offensive guy because that's how important Herbert is to the franchise – not even for the next one or two years, but for the next 10. Yeah, I haven't heard any names attached to the offensive coordinator role there, so it will be interesting to see the direction they end up going. Yeah. Let's talk Detroit Lions. 
you know, you said, hey, we got to get this graphic up. Dan Campbell gets hired as their next head coach, or will be. I don't think it's official I, yet. I think it's probably going to be official today. I know that they're negotiating, and I'm, and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, why would this guy leave Iowa State? Like, what is wrong with him? Like, it's <laughs> such a good opportunity. You're doing so many great things at Iowa State. Why would you go to Detroit, of all places? Wrong guy. <laughs> so, yeah, wrong guy. Dan Campbell, I had my Campbells mixed up. Dan Campbell hired as the next Lions coach. Eh. So do you know the history of Dan Campbell? He, I, he played in the league. Yeah, he was a New York Giant. He was a New York Giant. Giants oh, I, I, in 2000. So no, so uh, educate educate me. He was a, he's a tight end. Um, he came in uh, in 2000 as a rookie, which is the year we went to Super Bowl 35 which is the reason he had a relationship with Sean Payton, why he ended up on that staff. You remember, he was actually the interim coach for Miami. I think this is when they fired Joe Philbin. Uh, and he did a semi-decent job. I mean, that team had no talent. Uh, I like him. He's an old-school guy. He ended up in Dallas. Parcells loved him. Uh, he was, as a player, he was, he was a great blocker. He was known as being like another offensive tackle. Uh, not really a receiving threat. And I I kind of like he's an old school kind of guy, but if you hang along, if you hang around Sean Payton enough, you're gonna have some, you know, new school line of thought with respect to your offensive play calling. So I, I think this is an interesting hire. Um, you know, they definitely need to start, they're gonna have to start over. Look, they, they're gonna be losing a lot of guys in free agency. There's Matthew Stafford, who you can't get rid of, but, you know, it. it's not the most attractive position. I like the guy, though. I, I He's a guy you'd want to go to battle for. I really, I, I, you know, having watched him, his career out of interest because he was a New York Giant, I, I do, I do have faith in him. I think that just, it's just a tough spot to be in right now, going to the Lions. Yeah, nobody is very successful there. Uh but hey, it's uh, you have to play inside. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's look exactly. It's just it's a tough spot, and you know. Also, I guess you could say that he recognized. We'll talk about this more in a little bit. The Saints' run probably is over, so it's not as if he was going to become an even more attractive commodity. He had to might as well take a position, I guess, that nobody else wanted. Yeah, if you want to take the if you want to take the leap, you take the leap. Because then yeah. it always says, you know, you, I well, he fanned out in in Detroit. Well, it's Detroit. Yeah, exactly. as long as you don't torpedo the whole thing. We have there's two more openings in the league. We already talked about the Eagles at the top of the show. The other being Houston. And I talked, we you know, we talked at length about the Eagles being a mess. Yeah, my God, Houston is a disaster and yeah. maybe you know we were blaming we were blaming bob bill o'brien a lot of people were blaming bill o'brien maybe he was the smart one to get the hell out of there yeah. this is just this is bad i mean from the ownership down they have a, you know they have the uh the gm slash president who's a who's a racist bastard right then now your quarterback your star quarterback deshaun watson wants out yeah and, and I so mean, really wants out. It, it's it's really bad. Um, I'm actually I want to do a deep. So th to me, the biggest problem the Houston Texans have 
So their owner, McNair, is the guy who's made some racist or questionably ins- or racially insensitive comments in the past. They also have this like president. Uh, I don't know. I, I believe he's the president of football operations. His name is Jack Easterby. And uh, I guess I'll announce it now. I'm going to do a deeper dive on him. And dis- we're going to discuss him next week. This guy, he's um, he, he's basically just it's like a trickster. He shouldn't have this job. And he goes around looking for support from players. And he's, he's a bad kind dude. Of, but he's he but he, he there's some like religious component to it. I want to do a little bit more research on him so I can. But so that is where it, it, it's all gone awry because this guy has gotten into the ear of McNair. Supposedly they pray on decisions like right before. And he'll go into the office. They hold hands and pray. Um, and I'm kind of amazed that Nick Casario from new England, who was considered Remember when Scott Pioli after, after the, the Patriots first run of three super bowls, Scott Pioli was like the GM and everyone wanted him. He ended up in Kansas city. It didn't really work out that well. Nick Casario was kind of the Scott Pioli of the tail end of the Patriots dynasty. And for him to end up in this situation with this trickster, I really don't understand why. But, yes, the bottom line is, you know, Deshaun Watson had approached them after they got rid of DeAndre Hopkins when he was pissed and said, look, you know, look, I'm kind of – I'm the franchise. You guys have invested in me. You've given me $150-plus million. I'd like to at least be consulted on the moves you make, or at least forewarned. I mean, he didn't even hear about DeAndre Hopkins until it was on Twitter. And he hasn't, he wasn't consulted at all about Nick Casario. And it's basically, they believe, and everyone in league circles believes, Deshaun Watson is never going to dress up for the Texans again, that he's gone. Yeah, that's the, the more amazing thing is, a week ago it was there was discontent, but he is not going anywhere. Now everybody, the Tom Pelissero's, the Adam Schefter's of the world, Chris Mortensen's, all saying the same thing. Never wearing a a Texans uniform again. Yeah, it's absolutely remarkable. I mean, look, we we talked about in the offseason quarterbacks. You know, Patrick Mahomes is clearly number one. But if you also throw in or take into account where they are at their stage of their career, you know, you you might you could make the argument you'd rather have a Deshaun Watson than you would an Aaron Rodgers who's 37 years old, right? Uh, and you know, Deshaun Watson actually had a really good season statistically. He was not the reason that they lost all those games. So, and, and plus, he did that with lesser talent. He, he didn't have DeAndre Hopkins, you know. And Will Fuller, as always, would get hurt. Uh, Brandon Cooks, as always, missed a few games. So, uh, t- to me, this is one of the most talented young players in the league, and you're not going to take care of him and do right by him, and you're going to see him walk out the door. Now, they're going to get a king's ransom for him, even though they're losing leverage. You think so? Yeah. Because that's what I, I would say. Okay, you don't want to show up? You, you want to lose out on $25 million this year? Okay, fine. No problem. I mean, you have to because to trade him away, you have to get a king's ransom. Is that there was a, there was a thought before this kind of went in this direction that Eric Bieniemy was going to be maybe the guy there yeah. with 
Deshaun Watson, that there was a relationship that, you know, they're friendly with each other. I got to tell you, if I'm Eric Bieniemy, I don't touch that. No, and he is interviewing there, but right. I agree yeah. with you. I, I have I have no interest. Could that say? Could that move? If they if the the Texans come out today and say, all right, we're, we're hiring Eric Bieniemy, could that save the Deshaun Watson tenure in 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 Houston? Potentially, although if I'm Bieniemy, uh, I. Don't accept the job until I speak to Deshaun Watson. That's part I would say. Or, yeah, or, or, I agree. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I would agree with you there. But I mean, look, mean, you think about it. This is a team that should have the third pick of the draft, but that that pick is in Miami. So, uh, and, and that may be where Deshaun Watson ends up, anyways. So, the other difficulty, though, with respect to moving Deshaun Watson, he has a no trade clause, so he basically can control where he ends up. Because they could say, "Look, yeah, we got a great deal with Jacksonville, and oh, I'm just or uh, you know Carolina, but if he doesn't want to go to Carolina, doesn't matter. So that's the other. He really has final say over where his destination will be. So that's the other part of it. It's certainly it's certainly going to be an interesting storyline to watch as we move forward. Uh, one of the things with the coaching search, and we, we discuss this all the time, is there's the Rooney Rule." Right. Yeah. You have to interview a minority candidate and minority candidates. Yeah. It's so that they have an opportunity at the job. Now, again, this rule in theory, great rule. I I, I agree with it. Well, here we are. Another coaching cycle, I guess, outside of Robert Sala, because he is a he is a um, a Muslim American. Right. Yeah. So I guess technically he would fall into the minority category. I, I would assume so. I believe he is uh, the family is of Arab descent. I believe so. You yeah. know, I feel like Egyptian, which is what I read. I could be wrong. It doesn't matter. It, it, the, the, the there's a lot of pressure here again as we are in this environment in our world today, uh, rightfully so, where minority candidates aren't getting the proper opportunity in the coaching world. Nobody's been hired, right? There, there has again. Here we are, where an African American co- there's coaches on the table not getting hired. Yeah. Now, some of it is circumstance, like an Eric Bieniemy, right? I, the coaching things fill up fast. So, so if you're he, on a good team, it makes it yeah, more difficult. So it's a shame, but so goal line football not affiliated with us, obviously. Goal line football is a coaching agency. It's a, a team of agents. They are Eric Bieniemy's agent. Tweeted this out yesterday. On MLK Day, the at NFL should be ashamed that at this point, with only two jobs remaining, parentheses, one after Eagles hire JM, interestingly enough, parentheses, zero black coaches, coach hires, or even second interviews. No coaches coaching in the conference championship game are currently connected to either of these two jobs. Well, now, I mean, the enemy is obviously connected to Houston, but... That that maybe that's since changed. It's a very valid point here. No, it, it really is. And on top of that, there have been several GM openings, which we haven't really discussed, and none of them have gone to minority candidates either. Um, you know, here's here's an example, right? So Brian Dable, who now has removed himself because he wants to be a quote unquote hot candidate. I don't know. I, I frankly think that that's a uh, mistake. 
because if the Bills are going to be a team that's going to continually be in the advanced stages of the playoffs, it's going to always be more difficult for you to get a job. Nevertheless, Brian Dable is being credited with bringing Josh Allen along, right, and turning him around in three years. Anthony Lynn took one year, and Justin Herbert was a stud. But because his entire defense was injured, he gets fired. It's kind of like the Jim Caldwell. There is, there is, yeah. I, I, you know, look. Why is Jim Caldwell? I know he interviewed. I think he interviewed Marvin Lewis and Todd Bowles and look Byron Leftwich or Les. Look, why isn't Leslie Frazier getting another shot? Why or why isn't he discussed again? Right now, we don't know the circumstances. A guy like a Leslie Frazier might just say, "Yeah, I don't want to do that again." Certain guys are always like that. I, looking at that Andy Reid Eagles tree, Jim Johnson was always a guy where it was like, well, why isn't Jim Johnson getting interviewed for coaching jobs? The yeah. man just didn't want to. I, I'm not speaking for Leslie Frazier, but I agree with you. And you even see it down at the collegiate level too. I mean, yeah, it, it, it's 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 very rare. It, I, I don't get it. I don't get it either. I, I you know, I, I can't. There has to be something at play. I don't know. I I mean, I, I'm not saying it is agreement between the organizations to not hire minority candidates, but it's just it, there's too many opportunities for them not to 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 land these positions. And, and why is it that you know again? Why is it some of these guys who we we, I, we just mentioned are not named in the same breath as the quote unquote hot candidates? It's almost as if, and so I read this somewhere on Twitter. It's almost as if there's double standard. So uh, you know, I like, it, particularly if a, if a uh, African American coach is hired and he flame, you know, he flames out. That's right. it. It's not going to get a second chance. But like, uh, let's use Eric Bieniemy as an example. You put he goes down to Houston again, as we were just discussing. Yeah. So Sean Watson says, "I don't care. I'm out." Eric yeah. Bieniemy is walking into a disaster. Yeah. A disaster of epic proportion. The chances yeah. of him being successful there, slim and none. Yeah, Even pretty much. Like, like there's a, a big push amongst Eagles fans, players, past and present, to give Deuce Staley an opportunity to be the Eagles head coach. Part of me wants Deuce Staley to succeed. Part of me looks at at Deuce Staley and his coaching record, and I say, Why would you want to stay here? Yeah. Not does he deserve it. I don't know. I mean, Andy Reid was a quarterback coach, and they hired him. And look, he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. So forget that. But like a guy like a Deuce Staley, it's like, all right, Deuce, you get the job. Carson Wentz implodes. Jalen Hurts isn't what it is. Half the team is is ninety five years old. Three years from now, you're on un, you're in the unemployment line. Yeah. And nobody's going to give you a shot again. It's it's really is a, an amazing double standard. Maybe that's you know the league is old. Right, hundred and a hundred and what, one hundred fifty years? Right, one hundred twenty-five. What were they? hundred? I don't know. Uh, no, hundred was last year. Yeah, hundred was last year. So, a hundred and one-year-old league. Call it what it is. A bunch of rich white guys own it. Yeah. Uh, we're two white guys talking, but a bunch of rich white guys own it. You tell me. I'm not calling every. I'm not saying that that it's like that with all the teams, but. Come on now. There, there's there's something that has been like there 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 is a double standard that has been created to you know even subconsciously or something. Yeah, they they need to 
I don't know what the next step is. I don't know if it's there's a collective group that can sue the NFL for you know alleging racial discrimination. That'll really put to you know things to the test. But it, it really it is it's a sad comment though that there's all these openings and, and there's not more of a serious representation of minority candidates uh, who you know not only just because they're minority but they're they're actually some excellent coaches out there who've done a great job. Byron Left, which was a name you mentioned that I wouldn't, I didn't even, didn't even pop into my mind as being the next head coaching candidate. But you're right, actually, he's probably one of the next level of guys. It's amazing, man. I still, to me, it's still Byron Left, which the quarterback. Uh, yeah, Marshall, well, at Marshall, the another leg. guy who's going to be on the list. But the Giants took literally, you're just like, we don't want you to leave. Uh, is Patrick Graham their defensive coordinator because the Jets wanted to meet with him, so. You know, he's another guy who's going to be hired at some point, I believe. But still, it's not, you know, again, you know, all these openings and, you know, and, you know, the guys like Jim Call, Anthony Lynn gets the shaft, which I to me made no sense. So, yeah. In other news, uh, COVID strikes again. COVID has crushed the combine. There is no combine this year. This is bullshit. I don't know what I'm going to do now. And I don't know what you're going to do for that weekend in at, at, at the end of uh, at the end of February, well, uh, beginning of March. Like, what the hell, man? It sucks. By the way, when you watch the when you watch the combine, at some point, like thirty minutes into it, I feel like, and so obviously there's several days of it, but I I, I start watching. You start watching it so much, I feel like I can guess the forty times just by watching. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? so, yeah, somewhat. I, I miss the old combine setup. I know that they wanted to make it a TV experience over the weekend and all that stuff, but I miss the week long having have it set up. Okay, oh, quarterbacks, wide receivers, Tuesday noon. Yeah, you know, having something to look forward to. Yeah, well, they, I, they started it a little bit different because and because they wanted to capitalize on the on the more uh, attractive position groups having a better day to, to test and whatnot, but not going to have to worry about it this year. Uh, I mean, look, I get it. You can't have all those people together and you can't risk, you know, an entire rookie class getting, getting, getting sick and then so all it, the coaches and scouts. So it falls now it, it, each, it's going to be interesting to see how this works. So each school, which they already do has a pro day. Yeah, that's how they're going to do this. Uh, I I haven't heard any more on it. I I mean, there has to be. There's got to be some kind of uh, sense of we're going to have to uh, align this somehow uniformity because different schools do different things like this is this is interesting. Well, I, I think that. So every school is going to stream broad slash broadcast their pro day. Um and what you'll have is the area scouts will be the ones in charge of watching it. Uh, then, you know, the thing is, I think that the NFL or the NFL might ask um, the teams, look, what do you want to see in terms of workouts? And then they might send that to all of the schools saying, like, look, in terms of the workouts, we'd like you to, for defensive linemen, we'd like you to do these 10 drills for quarterbacks, this for wide receivers, this so that there might be some uniformity. 
I also wonder, you know, is there going to be a school that tries to pull a fast one? You know, there's been like legends of different schools during their pro days who, you know, you're technically running a 38 yard dash, uh, things of that nature. But I think now virtually we have the technology or at least I think teams do where you can't, you can't really get away with that. You know, the, if, if it shows 40 yards, I think, you know, whatever, I think the team could see that it's 40 yards. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Yeah, but to me, I, I never – it was always amazing how 40-yard dashes during pro days were much, much faster than they were at the combine, typically. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's going to – you know, I'm sure that there's now technology, though, where they can hook up the, the electronic – timers uh in the beginning and the end and it can be linked to a page so that the scouts can see it but what does suck is that it, you know for the the nfl fan like you and i and the millions others out there there's not going to have to be the combine i'm assuming that you'll probably i bet the nfl either on its network or on its website will air all these pro days that's just, and there will be like every night you'll see a, a highlight of four different schools' pro days. Oh, and you and you got to remember you have the Big Ten network. I you, you so you have that that whole thing going on. SEC network, all the conferences for the most part have networks. NBC Sportsnet for Notre Dame and all this stuff. There's there's going to be a lot of content. It actually gives TV providers something to do. You know, all yeah. you got to do for I, I'm thinking Big Ten specifically because each school. It's hardwired to just flip a switch and whatever the school is video videoing sports wise goes to the network. Yeah. The the only thing I think is going to be uh, a little bit difficult logistically. One are the interviews, which now I guess they'll just have to, I guess they're going to zoom, frankly, they're gonna zoom baby. Yeah, they'll zoom. I, I, you know, I mean, in the combine, you were limited to X amount. I guess now I would just leave it unlimited because it's you have so many more difficulties. Um, but then also remember, frankly, if you were to ask scouts and, and NFL personnel um, directors, what's the most important part of the combine? It's the medicals. So I get, I don't know if they're going to break it up by school or where these kids actually live, but I feel as if there's going to be five to ten hubs regionally and they're going to have to travel to actually get examined now the nice thing is medical personnel have been vaccinated so they don't have to worry from that perspective but that is one of the elements that they need to make sure that they are able to get a full medical evaluation on these players and i guess you're going to have to well, I guess in a normal combine, the, the players sign away like a right, like a HIPAA right, because it's evaluated and those records are given to each team. They're going to have to do something like that, though. It is going to be interesting to see. We're going to move on to conference championship talk, and we're going to meld this in with Am I Crazy? And this is my Am I Crazy this week. Uh, let's go. Let's run it down real quick. Green Bay revenge tour, Aaron Rodgers revenge tour. 32-18 over the Rams. Buffalo 17-3 over Baltimore. Kansas City 22-17 over Cleveland. And Tampa Bay 30-20 over New Orleans. Let's start off here. Am I crazy? 
that the Kansas City Chiefs can still get to the Super Bowl if Chad Henney is their quarterback next week in the AFC Championship game. I'm going to go no. I don't think so. Uh, and, and that I'm, I'm really on the fence with that, but I'm going to go no. Uh, if it wasn't for that, that interception he did throw was ugly, but I think, you know, if he is given a week to prepare that he's enough of a veteran, he can put together a solid enough performance to, for them to win. So for those who have no idea what we're talking about, Kansas City 22-17 over Cleveland, that would have been a lot more if it weren't for Baker Mayfield, excuse me, not Baker Mayfield, uh, Patrick Mahomes getting knocked out with a concussion in the game. Uh, did you think it was a dirty hit? I got to tell you, I've watched that hit about 20, 30 times. I don't think it was, first of all, I don't think it was dirty. Second, I don't really see the collision, whatever it was that caused the I concussion. think it hit the ground. I think, but it wasn't as violent as, say, Lamar Jackson's when Lamar Jackson had the back of his head hit the uh, turf in Buffalo. That was a, you could see how violent of a collision that was. The Patrick Mahomes with his forehead down on the ground didn't seem that bad. It, it wasn't, you know, you, you no, know it wasn't, it wasn't, the impact wasn't that strong. Yeah. Everyone was everyone's saying that was a dirty hit. I didn't think it was a dirty hit at all, to be quite yeah. honest. It was a football play. It yeah. was a shame. We have it on, on our social at GL Stan Show on Instagram. You can see, man, a thousand-yard stare. By all accounts, uh, he was trying to get back in after the injury. I don't think that he's going to be out for the AFC Championship game, but you never know. This is a concussion, and there's protocols. So it's going to be interesting. I got I to gotta give Andy Reid credit, man. He does something with backup quarterbacks. It's just amazing. He'll now flip Chad Henney if he has another year on his contract for like a third-round pick. Yeah. Uh, and, and give Big Red. Big Red had big balls going for it on fourth and one with the little with a little pass there instead of running the ball. I, Kansas City, man, I, 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 I'm pick, I picked them to kind of move forward. I think there is a little bit more of a chance they could lose next week, depending on the quarterback. It's just, it's just impressive what they do. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. It definitely took a lot of balls to have that, to run that play. Um, you know, look, Chad Henney, it was a bad throw, but I also, the, the third down play where Henney went for, it was very impressive too, though. That is also on at GL stand show on Instagram. For those yeah. of you who want to see it, uh, I, so, as I have found out how to do video and post it, and I'm having yeah, I know, I'm having a lot of fun with it. Uh, let's start. <laughs> Anything else stand out about this game? I, it's a shame for Cleveland season to come to an end the way that it has. It, it, but Kevin Stefanski, I thought, I thought this was a, a point where it's maybe a l- little bit of a learning curve for him as a coach. Yeah, I don't think he coached his his best game. Maybe he's going to learn a little bit. Cleveland, man, they're there for real, though. I mean, they should be back in that position next year. So you mentioned things that uh, – any other things I want to touch on. To me, so they lost 22-17, five points. Had it not been for Richard Higgins fumbling the ball out of the end zone, they would have won the game. And I want to address that play, particularly with you as a ref. 
I believe first off that that rule is that rule is ridiculous to a certain extent. I, I just I, now I'm not saying that necessarily Cleveland should get the ball at the one. I I just feel as if they they need to revisit that rule first. Second, Daniel Sorensen led with his head, and that should have been a penalty. That should be reviewable. It should not be something where a coach has the ability to to throw the red flag. But to me, if during a review, uh, it, should, it should be a college like the college reviews it. it like, yeah, it, it, when you review a play, yeah. you should review a play in its entirety for any potential illegalities. And to me, that I is agree. an illegality. You should be able to review it for. Well, I, so I, I look at this a couple of different ways, and I haven't watched I haven't watched the all twenty two yet because I'm interested in seeing where the official was. Yeah. I know where they were. I mean, I know where they, I, I don't know. Where did the play start? Do you remember? Because that'll tell me who. You mean who the yard line? At the what? You mean the yard line or the hash mark? The, the yard line. What yard line was it? 25, 30. Okay. So, yeah, I knew it was a deep. So, that means that it's one of your deep officials. So, that's either your, in, in the NFL, it's your side judge or your field judge. I think that's a side judge that from the camera angle. The side judge is to position him or herself on the on the tape, on the stripe, so that's three yards back, two yards back, at the pylon. That's where they are. That's yeah. the And you're not to move. So the play is coming to the pylon. They're looking at it. They're following it. They're following it. The way the hit comes in, it could have been obscured yeah. by the angle. Now, with the National Football League, there is a back judge who is in the middle. And in this case, probably would have backed up to be on the end line under the under the uprights. I don't know what their mechanic is. I don't know what they're to be watching. So I can't speak to it as a from from my point of view. From yeah. my point of view as an official, where I would have been, I don't know that I see the helmet to helmet. Now I watch the ball come out. I make that call. I'll address yeah. that in a second. But as far as the helmet to helmet goes, if you don't see it, you don't call it. And you can think a lot of things. Like, I mean, there's times where I've been on the field and I've heard the hit. Yeah. And I haven't thrown a flag. And coach is like, you had to have heard that. I'm like, yeah, I heard it, but I didn't see it. I heard the car getting an accident in the parking lot. You know, what do you want me to do? Yeah. So I don't necessarily have an issue with the covering official not throwing the flag at without looking at it. No, I agree. Because they might have missed it. Now, someone should have gotten it. Uh, the umpire is turning around. They might have been able to get it. It's a little further back. No, I'm, I'm wrong because the, the umpire in the National Football League got moved. So they're they're behind the line of scrimmage now. Yeah. As far as the penalty, or as, as the as far as the ball going out of bounds and the touchback, I think that rule, there has to be two elements to that rule. It, it's designed, I don't even know two elements. They got to change it. Yes, I think a team should be penalized for fumbling the ball out of the end zone. I don't know that it should be a touchback. Yeah. Maybe you turn around and you say uh it's goes back to the spot of the of the line of scrimmage and you lose the down. I don't know. Like to me to me it's just one of those things where and I know why they were doing it. I think one of the older rules in the NFL used to be if you fumbled the ball and it went out of bounds, you would get the ball back where you fumbled it. Yeah. There needs to be a change to that rule. There needs to be some element of that rule to say, all right, like that, that was a hit. It happens. It'll, you know, we can't penalize the runner. 
I don't know. I, I could see a point where it gets changed, maybe to just putting the ball back to the original line of scrimmage. Or if the line of scrimmage is at the two, you penalize 10 yards from there. I, I don't know. But I agree with yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, because it's the 99 yards prior, if that guy fumbles it out of bounds, he that team gets to maintain possession. But because it crosses an arbitrary line, suddenly the other team gets the ball, plus they get 20 yards. So even if you're going to keep the rule, right, that the defense now gets the ball, I would say, okay, you get possession wherever they fumbled, so from the two or the one-yard line. Why are you giving them 20 yards? Yeah, we're giving them to three. Give them to three, put it on Put it on the uh, okay, on yeah. the extra point marker. Oh, yeah, why are you giving them 20 yards? Yeah, and I'm going to look at the play. I, I, my initial thought watching the camera angle that I, everybody saw from the back yeah. of the end zone, that's a penalty. Who was actually looking at it? I, I don't know. But I agree with you, and Gene Steratore said the same thing. Like, that needs to be reviewable. Yeah. Someone in, in in Washington, someone in uh in New, New York, York. Yeah. Can, should buzz the white hat and say, hey, hold on, let's get on the horn here. Yeah, in Washington, they're probably watching porn. So Washington, they're packing up boxes. Oh no, that Washington. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, um, I, was talking, I was talking about the football team. Oh yeah, who knows? Uh who, yeah, it's just let, yeah. let's go, let's stick in the AFC real quick. Uh, Buffalo just beats up on Baltimore. I mean, just beat them up. And you even said, you're like, this game sucked. Oh, it's a great game. It had some weather implications, two missed field goals from Baltimore, the pick yeah. six. This was a classic. If there was snow on the ground, it would have been like one of those NFL films, all-time great playoff games. It well, no, it sucked once Lamar Jackson threw the pick six. That's what I meant. The game, it like it just fizzled. That That's what I meant by that. Uh, yeah, it, it was a classic playoff game. Look, you know, Baltimore outgained Buffalo big time. And I, I think Buffalo had one carry, two carries. They, they had like no rushing yards. So uh, th there's a lot to worry about to me if I'm a Buffalo fan. Buffalo is going to have to, they're going to have to work. They're going to, defense is going to have to carry them against Kansas City. Uh, we'll get to it in a second. Yeah, th there was a lot to, lot to be desired from the offensive standpoint. Uh, let's talk offense. Let's go to uh, let's go to the NFC. Who do you want to start with? Uh, might as well start with Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers revenge tour. Aaron yeah. Rodgers goes nuts again. The the Aaron Rodgers revenge tour carries on. Let's let's cross off LA and the LA Rams on that revenge tour. I don't think this was much of a surprise that that the uh, Packers did what they did. Yeah, the game kind of went the way I expected it to go. I thought the Rams were sort of shorthanded coming in. You know, the Rams had the number one defense, but I wouldn't, amongst number one defenses throughout the years, I wouldn't call this a lights-out defense. Uh, so, you know, I thought that the Packers would be able to put up points. They did. And, you know, I, I as great as Aaron Donald is, I do think that, you know, you could run on the Rams. And the Packers were able to run on the Rams, which is something also very important in the playoffs. So it, it was they did exactly what they what I expect them to do. So you know, kudos to them for that. Yeah, I, I agree there. And Aaron and Aaron Donald was hurt. You know, he yeah. was banged up. So you you were getting what you get out of him. Jared Goff was hurt. I don't know that a healthy Jared Goff. I don't know that it necessarily matters. Again, this is just you get to this point in, in the season where matchups are 
It's why it's the playoffs. Yeah. The, the Packers just won that matchup. I this I actually think it was closer than I expected it to be. Yeah, I mean, because it, it was competitive until, you know, halfway through the fourth. And, you know, to me, though, what's really interesting is in the past few days, the comments that Sean McVay has made regarding Jared Goff, where he hasn't not only is he not committed to Jared Goff as the starter next year, he hasn't even committed that Jared Goff is going to be on the roster next year. Which really, I didn't, yeah, I didn't see this. So, the thing is, they're in a similar situation that Philly is in that you're in cap hell, you you cannot, you can't trade them. It's, I think it's not as much as the Eagles, but I think it's like a 30 million dollar cap hit where it just you can't spend that money, so you're not getting rid of them, and also, no one is going to give up that much to. For Jared Goff, who is a decent player, but nothing, you know, amazing. So he's not, he's not what you would expect from a number one pick in the NFL draft. Yeah, exactly. So it's uh, I thought that that was really interesting how McVay, who's been very supportive of Goff throughout the years, just, you know, and on top of it, Goff played hurt. I mean, the guy had a broken thumb on his throwing hand. So, uh, yeah, it, it didn't play terribly. Let's move to let's move to New Orleans. Tampa 30, New Orleans 20. Am I crazy to say that Drew Brees comes back next year? Yes. He's done. He can't throw the ball more than 20 yards. Okay. So I agree that he can't throw the ball more than 20 yards. We have seen in some pl- places that does win you games here and there. I ask you that because I look at this the way that this New Orleans team is structured. Taysom Hill's not the guy. No. They don't believe in Jameis Winston for whatever no. reason. No. Drew Brees is retiring. They're done. They're kaput. Unless, unless they're going to do some kind of mix between Jameis and, and Taysom, I guess, maybe. I don't know. I, I mean, you talk about a, not a dynasty, obviously they didn't win, but a team that was very, very good for a long, long time, probably should have won more. This thing just comes to a, a, a screeching halt here. I so I read a tweet. Uh, I forget which account, but I think according to like the Elias Sports Bureau, one of those. So in the last four years, the Saints have won forty nine regular season games. It's the most games ever for a team to win during that stretch and not make a Super Bowl. I mean, they really now look. You know, I, I'm. The, the Minnesota, first they had the Minnesota Miracle that, you know, but then they would have had to go into Philly. I think they would have played Philly harder than Minnesota. It would have been a closer game than the Viking game, but the Philly Eagles were winning that game regardless yeah, of the game. Yeah, absolutely. It would have been closer. Do you agree with that? Well, it had to be closer than 30, you know, though, than what happened yeah. with Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the next year is what that's that was their year. They, and with the, with the off the excuse me, with the pass the no call for the pass interference against Roby Coleman, that's when they got screwed. Because hey. that team proud that team could have beat the Patriots. They had enough firepower. So it's just interesting to see that they you know, and there was all all these awesome videos of Tom Brady and Drew Brees after the game. Yeah, uh, Drew Brees goes out. Uh, they don't win. Nobody was there. It was real bizarre. Yeah. That there were no fans there. And we're going to get into Drew Brees in the offseason. But let's talk about Tampa. Uh, Tampa put together an unbelievable offensive plan to win this game. A nice, nice, nice mix of running the ball. 
and Tom Brady not trying to do too much. Yeah, you know, that offensive line is playing its best football at the most important time. They're able to establish a run game, which is, you know, I've said it now for several weeks in the playoffs is super important. They have two running back, you know, it's they have a two-headed monster right now with Ronald Jones and uh, Leonard Fournette. I mean, you realize you see, and they also have Leonard McCoy. Excuse me, not Leonard McCoy. Um, why am I forgetting his first name? LeSean McCoy. LeSean McCoy. Wow. Yeah, shows you how he's so far in the back of my mind now. Uh, but yeah, you have LeSean McCoy there. You know, they're uh, look. You got some really good. You have Mike Evans, Chris Scott. I think Antonio Brown's hurt, but honestly, he isn't giving you much. That kid Scotty Miller is better, and I like that tight end Cameron Brate. You know, and look. Gronk is not going to give you the receiving threat. He's not the receiving threat that he once was, but in the playoffs, you love him as a blocker. He's he's that's what you know. To me, the greatness of Gronk is he's the to me the best blocking tight end since Mark Bavaro. So, and, and that is super important in the playoffs. And yeah, and Brady's not making mistakes. Right. How do you rank? What are your uniform rankings? for this round of the playoffs. All right, so I'm going to go from four to one. Four is Tampa Bay at New Orleans. Three is L.A. Rams at Green Bay. Two is Cleveland at Kansas City. One is Baltimore at Buffalo. Really? Yeah, really. You you, you wouldn't have – oh, I forgot you don't like the Chiefs. I don't Never like mind. the Kansas City uniform. Yeah, I know. I was thinking – that was a classic matchup. Uh, that was a classic matchup right there. And the Saints should wear gold pants – but that's neither here nor and there. Cleveland should have worn white pants or brown pants, not the cardiac kid pants. Uh, okay, fair enough. Uh, let's yeah. go to championship weekend here. Tampa Bay at Green Bay. 28 degrees and snow is Love the it. forecast. I'm going to bring this back to what you just said about Tom Brady not making mistakes. He has not made mistakes this is a different environment going up to Green Bay in the cold. And I know he played in New England, tuck game, all that stuff. It's a different kind of cold when you're in Wisconsin. Yeah, it's a different right? He's used to it. The problem is that, they're, you know, and while Tom Brady's perhaps the most important player on Tampa, there's going to be 44 other players dressed that night. And, uh, you know, it matters for them. So to me, that's the biggest issue. Um, you know, as a guy like Mike Evans or Chris Godwin, look, Chris Godwin is a Northeast guy. Um, so either way, uh, you know, I, I think that's going to be the problem. It's, you know, to me, the biggest thing will be can Tampa Bay stop the Green Bay run? And, you know, you have to make a team one dimensional. And, and it is interesting. Vita Vea, the big nose tackle for Tampa Bay, I don't know if you saw this yesterday, was designated for return from IR. I don't know if he's going to be able to play this week, but if he does, prior to him going down, the Tampa Bay defense was the number one against the run. So that would be a huge addition for them. Uh, either way, I think it's all about can Tampa stop the Green Bay run. Aaron Rodgers is going to make his plays. Um, you know, Devontae Adams will have even more success than he did last week because the Tampa Bay backfield is not as good as uh, the L.A. Rams backfield. But, you know, if they could shut down the run, make them one-dimensional in a snow game, who knows? We're going to put our official predictions out on our Instagram at GL Stand Show. 
Uh, I can tell you this much that I believe the revenge tour does roll forth after this, and it goes into Tampa as in the Packers winning. And for this is the second time I believe I, I read in two years that there is an opportunity for a team hosting the Super Bowl to actually get into it. I would kind of be rooting for that. I think that would be neat. If it weren't, if it weren't Tampa, like nothing against Tampa fans, but eh, like they're not good fans. They're not good fans. Like it would have been I think they're better fans for their hockey and their baseball. Oh, players. they're great for hockey. I've been down there for not for baseball. Well, when they're good. When they're, they're, they're good. always good. Nobody shows up. You want to okay. talk about a weird building. It reminded me of the spectrum. It was weird. It was baseball inside. There was no noise. Uh, anyway, the hockey, the hockey fans, though, and I'm a Flyers guy, obviously. But yeah. I was down there when the when they when the uh when Tampa made their cup run and, and lost. So I guess that was two years ago. And dude, it was awesome. I mean, just being out and about Yorba City, people with their stuff on, and I can watch any hockey. So it, it, it was cool. But I, I think Green Bay wins this thing, and we'll give official predictions. Let's go to the AFC. Buffalo at Kansas City, uh, the 640 game, 50 degrees in rain. So that's interesting as well. There yeah. is no, no news right now on Patrick Mahomes. I have to think that he's going to play. So, but can, can, Buffalo, win, can Buffalo win this game? I got to tell you. Based upon what I saw against Baltimore, I don't know. I really, I, I'm not bullish on it, um, or billish, uh, I guess, pun intended. Uh, I just, you got to be. I know I'm sounding like a broken record. You have to be able to run the ball. They, they, I mean, they literally, their running game is so bad that they, they only called I think three running plays because they know it's that bad. You, you can't win a Super Bowl like that. You can't get to a Super Bowl like that. No, and Andy Reid would be able to tell you that, that if you don't run the ball and you start throwing the ball, you have Rondé Barbers and then that that, that Jamoke from uh, Carolina the next year, that kind of thing. Oh, God. What was that guy's name? I don't know, and I don't care. Fuck him. Oh, my God. That guy, yeah. That, see, at least Rondé Barber was, is now a Hall of Fame finalist, which we're going to discuss in further detail. But that other guy, that was like literally all he ever did. Yes, so. it was. It was all that all that he did. Uh, what's your take here? You think Kansas City? You think we get a Super Bowl one rematch? Yeah, I think we do get a Super Bowl one rematch. Uh, that is my initial thing. By the way, I'm getting annoyed. Everyone's saying this is Aaron Rodgers' first championship game at home. That's not true. He was in the 07 game, but he was not the starter. Brett Favre started against the Giants, but he was in that game. Fair enough. Yeah, just wanted to throw that out there. So it's going to be a good weekend of football. Brett alluded to what we have coming up. We're going to be doing some Hall of Fame breakdowns. We're going to be talking Super Bowl as it as it reaches here closer, and we know what we have going on this weekend. Follow us on all social media, at GL Stan Show. That's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Drop a line, say hello, tell us that you found us on the show. Check out our partners at Thrive Fantasy for your daily fantasy sports. Use code SEC247 and prop up and uh, you need some glass call michael's glass company 215-338-3293 we will be back next week to wrap up championship weekend uh brett say goodbye to the people goodbye people <laughs>